Through everyday stories, we transform the ordinary into extraordinary and triumph over adversity. It's not just a hat rack. It's not just a hat rack. It's not just a hat rack. I'm your host, Matt Tech, and this is It's Not Just a Hat Rack. Welcome back to another episode of It's Not Just a Hat Rack. I am your host, Matt Tech. The average human brain thinks up to 70,000 thoughts per day. That's almost 50 thoughts a minute. And if you're asleep eight hours a night, that's call it 75 thoughts a minute. And the majority of these thoughts are negative and seem to pop up out of the blue. Psychologists have labeled these automatic negative thoughts. Look at you. Why don't you do something with your life? (laughs) Sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. First, let me say that having negative thoughts is perfectly normal, so don't beat yourself up over them. Our ancestors survived by constantly being on the lookout for threats, fixing problems, and learning from their mistakes. All humans were given the gift of imagination, and the human mind imagines potential threats and problems, and that's okay. This enables us to sometimes solve problems before we get into trouble, but this can work against us as well. It can turn our minds into random negative thought generators. Shallow, unattractive, disgusting. 90% of our thoughts are repetitive. You'll have almost the same thoughts today that you had yesterday. And if you do something often enough, including negative thoughts, your brain creates neural pathways. The more you do it, the stronger the connections in the brain become. In an earlier episode, we discussed how your thoughts have a physiological effect on yourself and your environment all the way down to the quantum level. Check out the show notes for a link to that episode. Tell me if these sound familiar. I never do anything right. I'm such a loser. I always screw things up. I'm a jerk. I will never lose weight. I'll never be able to quit smoking. Or have you ever focused on a negative situation so much that when it happens, it feels like you predicted the future? Well, there's strong scientific evidence that your thoughts actually made it become a reality. What about interpreting someone's silence as they're mad at me or they hate me? All of a sudden, we become mind readers based on someone else's actions or facial expressions. My friends didn't talk to me today, so I must have done something wrong. Most of the time, we're not really choosing to respond to situations. It's being chosen for us by our bad brain habits. So what do we do? We dig deep and find out what is really true by questioning our thinking habits. And it's not based on how you feel. Hear me clearly, friends. Many of you won't like this, and today's culture will tell you differently. I will never understand people. They're the worst. But feelings are not always truthful. Feelings are very complex and often based on our past stories. Feelings are simply our perception of certain situations, and you are allowed to question them. Political commentator Ben Shapiro has a popular saying, facts don't care about your feelings. Sounds harsh, but it is 100% true. By catching our negative thinking patterns, we have the power to change our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Later in 2 Corinthians, Paul clearly tells us that we have power over our thoughts. He writes, 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Automatic negative thoughts. A-N-T. Ants. When I began recognizing negative thinking in my life, I hung up post-its in my car, my office, my bedroom, and on those post-its were drawings of an ant. Oh, you're crazy. And every time I would recognize an automatic negative thought, an ant, I would slap the post-it. I would squash the ant. For me, it was a physical touch point that represented something that needed to take place in my mind. And as soon as I slapped the ant, my mind would take the thought captive and begin filtering it through what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and praiseworthy as Paul further guides us in Philippians. But how do we actually do this? Here are some great practices when you recognize negative thinking. Number one, when you recognize an ant, ask yourself questions like these. Is this thought true? Does having this thought serve me? Is there another explanation or a different way of looking at this? What advice would I give to a friend who had this thought? Number two, write it down. Writing down your negative thoughts can help you recognize patterns. For a long time, I carried around a small spiral flip book. They're 50 cents at the store and would write down every negative thought I could. If I was driving, I would use the voice memo feature on my phone. Over time, you may find what situation environment, or person triggers what thoughts. You'll feel less overwhelmed when you recognize that it's just a few repeating patterns to overcome. Number three, personify your inner critic. Label him or her. Avoid the whole devil on one shoulder, angel on the other shoulder. It's not healthy or accurate, especially if you're a Christian. This is a slightly offbeat technique, but it can help you directly address and own the thought. If you imagine that these thoughts do come from someone that do not have your best interests at heart, it may help. Here's what helped me. I began thinking things like, if I had an acquaintance, friend, or loved one that spoke as harshly to me as I do to myself, I would drop them in a minute. So she doesn't like me? No. (laughs) She said that? Yes. She told you she doesn't like me. Yes. What were her exact I don't like him. So if you think about the negative thought coming from an inner enemy, it makes it easier to not pay any attention. And always remember, your inner critic cannot make you feel bad without your permission. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and on alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Number four, make your negative thoughts boring. Look, if you had a friend who came to you with the same complaint or story dozens of times a day, how long would you continue to pay attention? You'd get bored and learn to tune them out. So do the same thing with your thoughts. Ah, there's the same old thought again. Boring. Number five, turn the negative into a positive. This is a favorite practice of mine. You do this by reframing the thought into something more uplifting and probably more realistic. Here's a couple of examples. I haven't heard from my friend all week. I must have done something wrong. Let's reframe it. I know my friend's character. They don't ignore people and are in a busy season of life, so I'm going to send an encouraging text. I am a great friend. Here's another one. I made a mistake at work. I'm probably going to get fired. I always mess this up. Reframe it. I messed up, but mistakes happen. 
I'm going to work through this and learn the lesson like I always do. Change the negative thought into a positive, and this will rewire those neural pathways in a positive direction. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. Number six, should and should not statements. Going further on turning negative into positive, sometimes our negative thoughts can develop into something a little bit more sinister, like should and should not statements. These become sinister because there's really no firm conclusion, therefore there's no firm counter-argument. So for example, I should exercise. Let's reframe it. You can say things like, I look forward to exercising, or it's important to me that I exercise, or I love the way I feel after I exercise. Speak it as if you're going to commit to it. They may not feel true initially, but eventually they will feel true as exercise becomes a new habit. Remember, you do not have to fall victim to your feelings. You can even take this into should not statements. Here's one. I should not smoke. Let's reframe it. You can say, I'm not the kind of person who smokes, or I feel great when I don't smoke, or I choose not to smoke. When my wife and I made a commitment to get out of debt, we had to change our language and our thinking. Instead of saying things like, it would be great to not have debt, or we shouldn't borrow any more money, we shifted our language to things like, we are a family that does not borrow money, and we feel great when we don't owe people anything. When I made a commitment to increase my income, again, I had to change my language and my thoughts from, we'll always be broke, and it would be nice to make more money, to things like, I am a husband and father who financially provides for his family, and I am attracted to business opportunities, and even we are a financially blessed family. When my wife and I committed to losing weight, again, changing thoughts and languages from things like, man, it would be nice to lose some weight, or we'll always be fat, to things like, we are a healthy family, and we are a family that does not eat sugar and processed food, or even I look forward to wearing jeans that are 10 inches smaller. In 2009, our church started a tribute to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and I was blessed to play drums for the production. At first, my initial thoughts were along the lines of, I'm not good enough to move this forward, and I don't have the technical proficiency to perform this music. I had to shift my thoughts, and when I shifted my thoughts, my behaviors followed. So I shifted thoughts to things like, I am a master of my craft, or I am a musician who practices at least three hours a day. Or even, I execute this technically challenging music proficiently. As time went on, something that was supposed to be a one-time performance turned into an annual tradition in the St. Louis metro area. We performed to tens of thousands of people over the course of 11 years, witnessed hundreds of people give their lives to Jesus, and it led to an outside touring production as well as a full-time performance opportunity in Branson, Missouri. Today, I pick up new music quickly and accurately because of that experience, but I could have let my thoughts keep me from even getting started. And by far, the best tip that I can give you is to practice gratitude. It's hard to feel overwhelmed by bad thoughts while feeling grateful. Being grateful reduces negativity by creating a boost of feel-good brain chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. Dr. Robert Emmons says, quote, Gratitude promotes mental and emotional resistance while minimizing underlying negative emotions. So, you are someone who thinks positive thoughts. 
You are someone who takes every negative thought captive. You are someone who quickly recognizes opportunities to squash the ants. You are someone who writes down and tracks negative thought patterns and dismantles them with positive reframing. Isaiah reminds us of God's promise. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You are loved. You are healthy. You are well. You are a great friend. You are successful. You are kind. It's not just a hat rack. It's not just a hat rack. It's not just a hat rack. On today's Done and Done, random advice for life, create more margin in your life. We live in a culture today that's obsessed with busyness, but you are at your most kind when you have the most margin. So unapologetically create more space for margin in your life. Done and Done. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review, and more importantly, share with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe so you always have the latest episode.